Well, good morning, Terra Nova Troy. It's good to be underneath the sky this morning with the protection of the roof and the skylights. What a summer when we first thought about meeting outside this summer while we were kind of planning over the winter and the spring. It seemed like a great idea. We had a good time last summer outdoors when we didn't have much of a choice, and so let's do it again. But um, a lot of rain this summer, so we're here this morning. Uh, we are going to plan on being back out at Sage Park next Sunday and the following Sunday, and then we'll be back here on August the 8th, and we're going to have a special uh, service planned. We've already talked a little bit about that. We'll have some more announcements. There's certainly some stuff on social media. Got a special speaker coming. And, and also, very good news on August 8th, there will be a nursery. Nursery and toddlers will have that set up. And anyway, getting ready for getting back in here and for the fall. So uh, anyway, thanks for being here. Last Sunday, we started a new sermon series, the Summer of Psalms, and we... Uh, don't have the, the, the uh, graphic, but you can see that on your handout here. Cool graphic. We're going to be going through the Psalms for the next several weeks. And uh, what I ask you to do, because we don't have the overhead today, if you'd pull off this last sheet in your handout, Pastor Rob and I put these together so, you know, you can see our skills we have in running the printer and the stapler. But we got this for you. There's some information here we're going to be using here. Uh, so you can take notes if you'd like to. Yeah, so we had a chance last week just to take a look at what the, the, the book of Psalms. Uh, it's that collection of ancient uh, Hebrew poetry that have guided the people of God for generations. These, these poems, these songs uh, provide a beautiful tapestry and a rich theology of God's love for his people. They reflect the spiritual journey of women and of men over the centuries who've learned to trust in the faithfulness of God through the storms of life. The Psalms shape how we worship, both here as we gather together and in our quiet time with the Lord throughout the week when we're at home, open up our Bibles. Hopefully the Psalms are part of that. It's a regular basis for you. So as we get started this morning, as we jump back into our look at the Psalms, I want to ask you a question. How do you respond to God's love? How do you respond to God's love? Or how do you respond to the faithfulness of God when you see his love worked out in your life? As we think about that question this morning, I'm going to turn to Mark chapter 14. And you can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to read just... Uh, I think six or seven verses here. Mark chapter 14. Think about that question. How do you respond to the God's faithfulness in your life? All right, we're going to look at a story of something that happened in the life of Jesus. And hopefully that gives us just some food for thought as we jump into our psalm today. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, and he was, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of of ointment, of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were someone, there were uh, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, "Why was this ointment wasted like that?" 
For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Do you know that story? It's, an, it's kind of an odd uh, event in the life of Christ. If you've been in church, you've probably heard it before. Take a look at that for a minute. So Jesus, as we just read, he was having dinner with this, this guy named Simon. He was known as Simon the leper, uh, the other gospels also mention him by name, and that's all we really know about him, that, that he was Simon the leper, and probably because that would be a good way to confirm that this took place. People knew who this guy, this name, his, who this guy was, Simon the leper, probably a guy that Jesus had healed, although we don't know that for sure, but I suspect this was a guy that, because of his disease, he was excluded from, from his friends and his family, and now... He'd been healed. People could come into his house and have a meal with him. He could host people. And I think that's, that's a piece of story that, that's significant here. But then in the middle of the meal, this woman, she walks over to Jesus. And, and in that time, they're sitting on the floor. There's a table that's not very high off the floor. And, and she opens this bottle of ridiculous, ridiculously expensive perfume. All right? And, and she, she pours it on Jesus' head. And this isn't our, our primary text today, so I don't have time to dig into that, but just for a moment, let's think about what she did. Needless to say, people were shocked. Uh, why would she do something like that? Something so expensive, how reckless, how, how wasteful. And yet one person in that room saw the beauty in it. Jesus. He said she's done a beautiful thing. She had dumped out a very expensive bottle of perfume in the middle of a meal. And Jesus says she's done a beautiful thing. Right there, that should get our attention. She did was significant. Now, there's no doubt it made everyone feel uncomfortable uh, pouring perfume on someone in a meal. That's not something I would do. Not something I would want done to me. Um, And I think those in the room, they, they could think only of how wasteful it was, which makes sense, right? These, these disciples had set aside their, their career, their job, their, what they had to make money for their family. They'd set that aside to follow Jesus. They'd, they basically got by on the support of, of other people. And it made sense that they would, uh, they would reference the needs of the poor. That probably sounded a little bit better, like, hey, what about us? We're, we're struggling to get by here. Um, But I want to focus, I think, on the most interesting piece of the story. Jesus' statement about what that lady did is, I think, is surprising. In fact, I think when we read it, we often miss the significance of what um, the statement that he made. So as that, 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 that powerful smell of the perfume, it just filled the air and, and completely overtook the room, Jesus says, 
I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. What's that mean? I think the Lord saw this act of of wastefulness, of recklessness. It's just what it is. A beautiful expression of love and appreciation. Not only that, he says that whenever we talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, her story ought to be included in that. I think we ought to let that sink in for a moment. The Lord wants us to think about and talk about this example of, of this just extravagant outpouring of love when we talk about the gospel. Why is that? This woman's response to the love that she found in Jesus reminds us of the way that God changes our heart when we get to know him. We come to know the Lord on our journey of faith. We're not going to be the same The story reminds us that faith in Jesus is not something that we can just kind of safely observe from a distance. It's not just knowing about Jesus, knowing the right facts, knowing what the Bible teaches. This lady's story today reminds us firsthand that something happens when we meet Jesus. I think we're supposed to talk about her story when we tell people about what it means to put our faith in Christ so that we can understand the real change that God makes in our hearts when we respond to him, when we come to know him, we put our faith in him. He changes us. The, God, the deep, deep love of God works in our hearts. We're not the same. This lady, she could not hold back the joy she had inside. I think that's why her story is so important. Her story is for you and for me. When we come to know the Lord, we follow him through the challenges of life and and learn how good he is and how faithful he is. And his joy will flow out of us. And I think Psalm 116 tells that story. I'm going to turn there in a minute. Before I do, I want to open us with a word of prayer, if you'll bow with me. Our Lord, I thank you that we can gather together as your church and that we have a reason to gather, to celebrate your great love for us. Lord, that we can call out to you wherever we are. You hear our voice and you love us. You work out your plans for us, Lord. We can have peace in you. I pray that as we gather today, we can pour out that joy to you in worship. We can celebrate what you've done for us, Lord. Pray, Lord, you'd let us leave here with a greater appreciation of the Psalms, Lord, and that we would just be able to value the resources that you've given us. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. All right, well, we are going to be there in Psalm 116, but I thought... That story, as I was prepping this week, that story of the woman and the perfume that she poured on Jesus' head, 
I think that really sets the tone for this psalm, and I want to, to look at that. We're, we're going to take a look this morning, if you have that piece of paper, uh, that little handout. Um, I do have some information in the front that's helpful for you. Five things to remember when reading the psalms, five ways the psalms guide our journey. If you want to flip over to the other side, I'm going to take a look at the outline. I want us to, really three points here. We're going to observe the details of Psalm 116. All right, we're going to read it, kind of get a better idea of it. Uh, I tell you one thing I don't know if I mentioned last week. If you don't own a study Bible, I would greatly encourage you. And I, I think we tend to use the ESV, the English Standard Version up here. The ESV study Bible is top notch. And the prices come down recently. If you don't own one of those, I would highly recommend it. Uh, because what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at some of the characteristics of the psalm that help us understand it better. I think there's a lot of times we read things in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament and the Psalms, and it's, it's written in a, diff, a different frame of mind. It uh, was written in, in, in a time long ago, ancient Near East, and sometimes we struggle to recognize what the author is trying to speak to us and try to figure out how do we bridge that into our context. So that would be a, something that would be, I think, helpful. If you don't own one of those, I would. So that's just my little PSA for that. All right. We're going to take a look at Psalm 116. We're going to observe some of the details. We're going to try to interpret what Psalm 116 is, is teaching. We're going to think about those lessons there. And lastly, we're going to try to apply the lessons of Psalm 116. We're going to meditate on those. And I, I, I wanted to follow this outline because I hope it's helpful to you as you go back during the week and read the Psalms. So you can kind of follow a track like this and try to make sense of what you're reading, and then it becomes a time of meditation as you pray to the Lord to work these truths into your heart. All right, let's take a look at this. So the author of this psalm, we talked last week, it's, when we looked at Psalm 13, right at the top was a psalm of David. Not all the psalms include those. This one is one of them that does not. So we don't know who wrote it. All right, not that significant. But uh, we also want to ask, what's the, what's the context? Is there uh, something going on here that's helpful? Don't know that either. However, this is a psalm that was uh, sung, historically it was sung uh, around the temple worship. In fact, there was a group of them, Psalm uh, 113, 114, uh, 115, and 16, I believe, were psalms that people sung either on their way to the temple or as they were gathered there at the temple. And in fact, in the early church, these psalms were also sung to celebrate the Lord's Supper. All right, so there is some history there in the sense that God's people have recognized the value in these psalms for reviewing what God has done for us and, and having the Lord draw our attention to him as we read. All right, what is the type of psalm? If that, I think that's helpful. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's real obvious on that. And we're going to look at some of the structural clues that kind of help us make sense of what we're reading. We'll see quite a bit here. The psalmist calls out to God. The Lord hears his prayers. We see times of suffering. We see just him recognizing God's mercy and grace, and we see his response of worship. All right, I mention that because I hope you will become better readers of the psalm, and so these poems and these songs from the... the, the uh, the word of God can be a blessing to you. All right, let's take a look at the three, three sections, three sections here in Psalm 116. So in verses 1 through 6, we'll start there. Let me read, let me, let me go ahead and read Psalm 116 if you'll follow along with me. I love the Lord 
because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. And in verse, verse 5, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have, you have delivered my soul from death, my ears, or my, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I'm greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in, the, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. All right. So I, I think there's three sections here, and I've looked at some commentaries, and some divide it three ways, some divide it two. But we're going to look at these, these three here, verses 1 through 6, verses 7 through 11, and verses 12 through 19. So we see that, that first section. The psalm starts with a declaration of praise. I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. So right away we see the opening tone of this psalm. And I think... Actually, as you read through it, the remainder of the psalm is really an expansion on this declaration of praise to the Lord. And in the third verse, he, he talks a little bit about uh, how he learned to trust the Lord through adversity. We see the snares of death have encompassed me. We don't know the situation, whether he was ill, uh, almost died, or some circumstance that he was nearly killed. Perhaps it was the death of a loved one. Either way, he felt like death had a hold of him. But God rescued him from that. So whatever the situation is, you can hear the depth of his words. His love for the Lord did not come because his life was easy. It was free of hardship. He writes, I suffered distress and anguish. All right, important details as we try to get a, a feel for where the psalmist is going here. He completes this section with an affirmation of God's goodness. Gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful. So right away, through these times of discouragement and suffering, the psalmist has experienced the faithful love of God. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. When I was brought low, he saved me. All right. And we look at that second section. So it's the first section, we, he introduces this idea. He loves the Lord because the Lord heard his prayers. Now the psalmist focuses on how he had found rest in the Lord. Return, O my, o my soul, 
to your rest. Not an absence of conflict in his life. It's not why he's able to to give praise to God. He's found rest because the Lord worked through those circumstances. You've delivered my soul from death. The psalmist has rest in the Lord not because his life was restful, but because the Lord is good. He's learned to trust the Lord in real time. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So let's pause on that for a minute. I think we can come to church here inside those four walls in the, in the gymnasium where we meet and we can sing these songs, we can talk about praising God, but then have a different perspective as we leave here and we get back into the, the challenges of life and of our jobs and all the busyness, stress. And here's the psalmist writing, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Not a pie-in-the-sky attitude or some, some spirituality where we just say the right things and act like everything's okay. This is a guy whose faith was tested. He could walk through life with restfulness because he'd learn to trust the Lord. And then we, so we jump into, that, into the third section. He talked about how he could love the Lord because the Lord heard his prayers. He had found rest in the Lord. And in his third section, he focuses on the response to God's faithfulness. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? How can I show my gratitude to the Lord? How can I thank him for how good he has been to me? So the psalmist responds to God's love with worship. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. He can't hold back. Out of his heart he comes this joyful worship. I don't think it's, it's just this feeling of an obligation. He writes, I am your servant. I will offer to you a, sacri- a sacrifice of thanksgiving. He wants to go to the temple and express his love for the Lord. All right. Well, I hope you're able to kind of follow along in a psalm like this and just to get an idea where the, where the, the writer is taking us. He be, like I said, he begins with that, that declaration of God, he, and then he spends the rest of the psalm explaining why he has such deep love for the Lord. So I want us to jump into the next, next part of the, the, uh, the, the sermon today, this idea of interpreting what the psalm is teaching. Let's think about the lessons here for us. What are the lessons here? First of all, God's people can turn to the Lord because he listens to our prayers. All right. One of the things you want to do when you're looking at a psalm, or really any passage of scripture, is pay attention to the verbs. I know I probably just lost a few of you there. Do you remember what a verb is? It's the action word. Verses 1 through 6, there's quite a few verbs, and they're significant. Let's look at what the psalmist does in response to the actions of the Lord. The psalmist loves the Lord, very important verb, right? He loves the Lord because the Lord heard his voice. There's a clear response there. 
When he was in trouble, the Lord listened to his calls for help. The psalmist knows he can call on the Lord because the Lord turned his ear to him. Lastly, in verse 4, he can cry out, deliver my soul. And he finds that the Lord is gracious and merciful. Those are the type of things we've got to pay attention to. They paint a picture. Faith is more than words. The psalmist is expressing his, his praise, his gratitude, because he's learned, he learned firsthand that God listens to him. He cares about his situation. He experienced the presence of God, not just as he gathered together with God's people and sang songs and listened to a sermon. He, he experienced God's love firsthand because the Lord cared for him in his situation. As he walked through the darkest of times, he had confidence in the Lord because the Lord heard his prayers. He praised God because he was able to see God's faithfulness. It's the love that the psalmist declares at the beginning of the psalm, it, it came on his journey. And he saw God demonstrate his faithfulness. Again, he's not, not praising God because everything went well. He's reminding God's people that the Lord has shown him that he is good in the midst of his suffering. All right. The lesson here is that we can turn to the Lord because he listens. And I hope that's one of the things you find as you read these psalms. They remind us, as we look at the spiritual journey of those folks that wrote them so long ago, that we can turn to the Lord because he listens to us. It's a promises we need to hear. I love the Lord because he heard my voice. Have you been there before? Have you called on the name of the Lord? Oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Psalms like these are so precious when we're going through hard stuff. They remind us that we can find God's grace in those times. And in fact, they remind us that it's, sometimes it's easy to miss the grace of God when everything's going well and life is good. These psalms remind us that God is faithful, that he hears our prayers. We don't want to miss that. All right, second lesson. We find rest in the Lord because he is faithful. Let's talk about this idea of rest. The psalmist writes about that here. And return, O oh my, uh, return, O oh my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Verse seven. Through whatever stuff he was going through, whatever suffering he faced, the psalmist found rest in the midst of life storms. It's not just a feeling. His rest is a confidence that the Lord would hear him. And it's not just rest in the sense of a time of rest or an absence of struggles in his life. You know, the older I get, the more I realize that life just doesn't slow down. Sometimes I think if only I can get through this, then I can rest. And too often, just one thing after another that comes into our lives, and I think there's, there's days like that where we can feel like, is it ever going to let up? I don't think the psalmist is talking specifically about that time of rest when suddenly God will take away 
all the stress, all the discouraging circumstances, he'll fix those things so that we can just kind of get to that place and relax. Certainly he does at times, but the psalmist, I think, is talking about a place of rest. That place is knowing that you're safe and secure in the arms of our Savior. Listen again to what he wrote. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He found that rest. Reminds us that we don't have to feel alone. The Lord is with us. He cares about us and he wants us to learn to trust in him. To find that rest. I think these promises are not just something for the future. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. We can experience his rest now. Through whatever we're going through. We can find rest in the Lord because he's faithful. All right, the third section there provides another lesson for us. God's people can respond to his love with joyful worship and service. Let's take a look at verses 12 through 19. In his time of need, the psalmist held on to those promises. So at the end of the psalm, he can write, What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? What can I give back to the Lord? What can I give to the Lord for as good as he's been to me? Again, this was a song that people sang. This was something that people came together and, 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 and sang to each other to encourage one another. And yet I don't think this is just the words to a song. I think the psalmist was writing for what he experienced in his journey. The faithfulness of God had filled him with joy, and he couldn't keep it to himself. He wants to share what God has done for him. This third section reminds us how God changes us when we learn these lessons. And it pours out of us. The Lord helps us to let go of our fear and to learn how to trust. In place of discouragement, we can have faith in him. Instead of worry, we can find rest and the faithful love of our Savior. I think this third section of the psalm here reminds us that the result of God's work in us is joy. Joy. The peace and confidence in the Lord that transcends our circumstances. God's people respond to his faithful love with joy. It's what comes out of us. So I think Psalm 116, in that way, it kind of ends where it started. I love the Lord because he heard my voice. And after singing through his journey and the lessons of faith he learns, the psalmist finishes with a response of joyful worship. I will offer to you the, thanks, uh, the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on your name, O Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord at the temple, in the presence of his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Praise the Lord. That's where he comes full circle back to that. I love the Lord because he's been so good to me. He's given me rest, and I want to share that. I want to worship him, bring my sacrifices of praise to the Lord. I go back to that story in Mark chapter 12. The woman and the, poured this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. The Lord had made such a difference in her life that she had to share her thankfulness. She had to share that joy with her friends and her family. And she did it in a way that to everyone at that time just seemed awkward and extravagant. But I think that's why Jesus wants us to share her story when we talk about the good news of Jesus. When you come to know the Lord by faith, his faithfulness and his love, it changes you inside. You can't help but share what he's done for you. I think that picture's expressed here in Psalm 116. So let's think about how we can take this home with us. How do we apply these lessons to life? We want to meditate on these things. We've looked at Psalm 116 like we would if we were reading it at home. Some other morning of the week, we've talked through it. We've tried to recognize the significant pieces, tried to see the main lessons. Now let's try to meditate on these things and ask the Lord to work them into our hearts. So let me ask you three questions here. Do you know God's faithful love? The psalm reflects the journey of this, this person who had gone from knowing about God to knowing God. Because God uses those times of discouragement, times of suffering, to turn our attention to him. He said he starts that psalm by, I love you, Lord, for you heard my prayer. As we learn to trust in the Lord, we begin to know the depth of his love, that he cares for us, that he's working out his plans for us. So as you read this psalm this morning, I ask you, have you called out to him in your troubles? Has he heard your voice? Have you learned to trust him by faith? You know, if, if you're here this morning and you're not sure about that, I hope you talk with someone. The picture here in Psalm 116 is of a person living out his faith in real life and learning how good the Lord is as he worked through his struggles. So he called out to him and trusted in the Lord. If you don't know that kind of peace with God, I encourage you to talk to someone whether that's a tribe leader, someone you know and trust. I'd love to meet with somebody. If you have a question about what it means to call out to the Lord, to take this first step in your journey of faith. Second question I have for you is, have you found rest in the Lord? Have you found that rest in the Lord? As we talk about that, when he, as, as the psalmist writes there in verse 7, return, O my soul, to your rest. Does that sound familiar? your soul found rest in the Lord? Or are you still searching? Are you looking for something else in some other place? 
don't know what that might be. Maybe the circumstances getting worked out like they should be. Relationships, whatever it might be that you're looking for to find that peace. Your career going the direction it should be. Finances coming into the right place. What's keeping you from having that rest right now? Jesus promised in Matthew chapter 11, he said, Come to me, all, who, <clears throat> all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord is our rest. Do you know him? Do you know his rest? Maybe you're here this morning and, and you, you've experienced God's saving grace. You've put your faith in him. But maybe you're not feeling that rest right now. I hope you can go back to Psalm 116 this week to spend a little bit of time there and kind of think about the journey that the, uh, the psalmist shares. Think about his struggles. What is it there in, in what he shares that relates to where you are right now? Think about how he found that rest. What got him to that point where he could see beyond his situation and trust in the Lord. If you found that rest. The third question I'd like you to think about here is, does the joy of the Lord flow out of your heart? You know, we go to these psalms to read these different poems, these songs of praise and worship. We go to them to be encouraged so their hearts can be re uh, redirected to God. Hope this psalm will do that for you. That his story will shed light on your story. Hope you can respond to the faithful love of our Savior with joyful worship. Because you found his love. And he's given you rest. Well, the band's going to come back up here and going to lead us as we continue our worship this morning. If you know the Lord, if you found that rest, then let's sing together with joy. Let's offer up a song of thanksgiving today as we call on his name, as we pray <clears throat> together, as we sing together. May we leave here knowing that rest and with his joy pouring out of our hearts. Let me close. Lord, I thank you that you brought us together this morning. I think that we can take a look at this psalm, and I pray that the journey that we see here be an encouragement to us. Oh, Lord, you are our rest. Lord, may we sing today with that confidence that you love us, you hear our, our cries, you hear our voice. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.